Running short on credits, Castian accepts an unusual request for a bounty to be recovered from the lap of luxury, but what should be an easy trip to paradise is quickly revealed to be a nightmare. We're back on Lamared, where a young Castian Sai, a very young, a toddler, is watching his father tend to one of the native creatures of Lamared. Not one of the Mon Calamari, but a type of dolphin that was swimming past your habitat. And your father noticed that its fin was covered with some kind of strange fungal growth and it was threatening the blowhole of the dolphin. So your father captured the creature in a net and the two of you are crouched at the shoreline as your father is doing some work on it. Is it going to die? Well, Castian, eventually maybe, but we're going to do our best to make sure it's not that day today. Okay, Castian says as he takes a curious step forward, watching his father's hands work over the fungal growth of this creature as he's injecting things into it, analyzing things like that. And Castian hesitates for a second before saying, If it's going to die, we're wasting a lot of energy. It's not a waste to help other people, Castian. I know. I just... If it's going to die, it's going to be real sad if we help it a lot and it still dies. Well, yes, son, that would be real sad. But you'd be surprised what a person can bounce back from, or even a dolphin. And with that, we cut back to the Howling Gundark, where we see the Castian that we all know and love sitting back in a chair, exercising his hand with a stress ball. The hand that we saw damaged so severely by the Dathomir dagger. And how is that hand looking? Is it looking better? I mean, the last time we left it, it was no longer infected with the dark side, but it was still, like, skeletal to the bone. It definitely looks weak. Like, you can tell that there's been some muscle atrophy, but the color is beginning to come back. You definitely don't have those dark veins anymore. And this is why Castian is is working it out with the stress ball, is to try to gain some of that strength back in his hand. Castian's in his room, and he spins in his seat and throws the ball high in the air. It sails into the air before landing into a bucket that's on top of Bone's head. The bone lets out a few beeps. The bucket absorbs the ball, and then he shoots it out. And Castian reaches up and catches it. And this is kind of their exercise routine of him just kind of exercising this hand, trying to get a little bit more muscle and feeling back into it. He'll never have 100% of feeling back to in this hand, but Blairs believes that he'll still have like 85% eventually if he just continues working at it. As Castian begins another round of therapy with the stress ball, there is a chime at the door. Come in. Laris, it's you. I know it's you. Just walk in. The door was closed with the privacy seal. Castian wrinkles his nose before standing up and swiping at the door, allowing it to open up. Sorry about that. What can I do for you, he says as he's tossing the ball back and forth in between hands. I believe you have received a message. Castian pauses before canting his head to the side. From who? Niana and Kida? No. The message seems to be sent from a Nira Sawbright of Naboo. Cassian stares at her again before saying, Who the hell is that? I believe she is a professor at the university. Castian leans back on his heels before mumbling, How the hell did she find me? How the hell did she get a message to me? She didn't even know my real name. Well, that is why I can only suppose that you have received a message. 
She sent out a message into the Holonet using the same fake credential name that you used on Rory. She seemed to send it out as something of a, to use a colloquialism, message in a bottle, hoping that you would stumble across it. Cassian stares at her for a second or two before tossing the ball over its shoulder, it sailing in the air before landing in that bucket where a gorse bone absorbs it again. And Cassian says, Who the hell is this woman? She is not a professor, clearly. Yes, give me the message. Absolutely. Laris hands you a data pad. He turns away from her and taps away and sees what it is. And you see the face of Nira Sawbright pop up. You recognize her immediately. She is, an, again, an older human woman with close-cropped silver hair. And she says into the message, Hello, bounty hunter. I wish to purchase your services. There is an item that I have been expecting to receive for some time, and the person who is to deliver it is on a ship that has gone far off course. I have the most recent coordinates for this person, but I don't know what happened to the ship. It should have been in Naboo space three days ago. It is nowhere near Naboo. And within the message, a star chart pops up that shows the flight plan for a ship, the Pulsar Quest luxury liner. And it should have been making a fairly straight shot from the Hapen cluster to Naboo. And the location of her beacon is, is far off course in outer rim space. I have attached more information that you will need in order to find this person. If you do so, there shall be a paycheck at the end. And then... The message closes, and the data pad then starts popping up with text-based information. Yeah, Castian starts looking through what she has for him. Uh, he's interested. This woman helped him in the past, but not only that, but the fact that she is willing to pay, that that's good, because Castian no longer has an info chant to go to in order to get jobs, so they're... They're, they're, they're not quite at, like, boiling their boots to eat the leather, but it's not looking great. She includes a profile on Bartholomew Starlin, who is a minor Naboo noble. He is known for traveling the galactic swoop bike circuit. He was last seen competing in the Terrafon Grand Prix. He was scheduled to take the Pulsar Quest back from Terrafon to Naboo, and he was carrying with him a mirror, a simple hand mirror. Nira has included a sketch of the mirror. She doesn't have any sort of actual photograph. And it looks like something that you could pick up at any market anywhere throughout the galaxy. Castian raises his eye before turning the beta pad to face Laris. Anything in your information banks on this? A handmaid's mirror. They are given as welcome presents to the handmaids of the Queen of Naboo. Is it pricey? With so little data available, I am unable to make a conjecture. It would depend upon the age of the mirror, the queen that the handmaid served under, if that is even known, as handmaids were valued for yeah, their discretion. Yes, okay, so this is, is a historical find, nothing too crazy to get excited about. So, a professor wants a artifact from a ship that's kind of gone missing and way off course. How does she even know where this thing is? And Castian's looking through the data pad to see if there's anything else that she wants to impart about this. Nothing that you can see. Castian leans back in his seat and taps the data pad against his head as he's thinking. Okay. Okay. Most ships are built with some sort of transponder, sort of a safety mechanism, especially these luxury liners. I mean, there's plenty of people that would be tracking this. If she's able to get a track on this, it means that she either has a private tracker on that ship herself which would make sense if she ordered this from this man and or 
she has connections within the government and they haven't released the tracking information to the authorities, which wouldn't make sense. This is a luxury liner. Regardless, uh, I'd say we can take a look at it. Let us send our own bottle in the holonet to say that we've taken the job. Of course, sir. And then set the ship to go to these coordinates right here. Uh, keep us a little far away. I don't want to fly right in the middle of a trap if this is what that is. Of course, sir. Thank you. And Castian stands up and he's uh, following her to the bridge. As you are walking through the hallways heading to the bridge, you hear a skittering sound behind you. Castian jumps a little bit and spins around, his hand dropping to a vibro knife at his belt. You see the somewhat disconcerting sight of the head of an RA-7 protocol droid attached to the body of the spider droids of the same type that the Bomar monks of Tatooine use. Oh, I told you to give him a body, not, not a monstrosity. What the hell is that? We had very few spare parts available. Why are we even keeping him? He is an asset. Castian turns and gives a dubious look towards that protocol droid, dead cold eyes. The RA-7 protocol droid skitters up next to Laris, and of course this is the same protocol droid that she ran into in her own little side adventure. The droid looks up at her because it's about the size of a bone, an R3 unit, so it's about waist high on Laris, and it looks up at her and says, Can I assist? Yes, find an airlock and launch yourself out. Ma'am. Laris gives Castian the closest thing to a, a censurious look that she's ever given. It's it's almost the most emotion she's ever shown before she turns back to the protocol droid and says, Yes, please search the holonet for information on the Pulsar Quest luxury starliner. Affirmative. Searching now. And the droid skitters away. You're incredibly creepy and no one likes you. He kind of shivers a little bit before following Laris back to the bridge. When we are as short on resources as we are currently, it would be prudent to not try to alienate the few resources that we do have. And she goes to her station as she starts implementing the coordinates you requested. Casting lets that aside before just saying, I don't like spiders, okay? I just, the spider droids, they, they freak me out a little bit. I'm not afraid of spiders. That's ridiculous. I'm an, I was an Imperial Inquisitor. And I was a bounty hunter. I just don't like them. I don't, I don't need them in my life. It is not actually an arachnid. I know it's not an arachnid. It's just... It, <clears throat> could you have found something with wheels? It, like, Bone glides right into a situation. He's never clittering. And I try to sleep. And then I'll just start hearing little clittering claws on the floor. And I just assume something's going to crawl into my mouth. That is not a rational fear. Fear is not rational. Okay, just... I'm fine. I'll be nicer, Okay. Castian falls into a seat before opening up the hollow net and checking a few things as she gets everything ready. Tell the RA unit to send whatever information it has on the luxury liner to this terminal. Yes, sir. A few minutes later, your data terminal lights up with information from the RA7 unit. So tell me a little bit again about this Pulsar Quest luxury liner. It is an indulgent class luxury starliner. The RA7 unit actually pops up with an advertisement from the ship. Castian plays it. A hologram pops up of a beautiful Twi'lek woman. A galaxy of adventure awaits you on the newest ship from the Leonor Luxury Liners Incorporated. The largest ship in the fleet, the Pulsar Quest is ready to deliver a once-in-a-lifetime experience, whether you are on a romantic getaway or a fun-filled week with friends. 
While on board, guests choose from a variety of onboard activities allowing you to pursue new interests or relax and rejuvenate. Experience simulated zero-g asteroid mountain climbing or relax in a spa pool of imported Seleucian mud. Enjoy a performance worthy of Coruscant's Great White Way on our main stage featuring performers renowned throughout the core worlds or have an intimate evening in a quiet Riosian liqueur cantina. Whatever your pleasure, our crew is at the ready to serve your every need. And after the initial shot of the young Twi'lek woman, she was replaced with images of a beautiful, luxurious Starliner, obviously very new, and it looks to be a, a very large ship that is equipped with the most modern amenities that a private Starliner could offer. What's the passenger capability? About 1500 Wow. Castian looks at the price for like even a single ticket in the lower deck. It would cost about two months of pay from him. That was if he was working the hardest he's ever worked. Yes. She must have put a tracker on the Mia because this thing is even off course. By a few hours, they would send security to look for it. Look how much a single ticket for this place is. And he sends the information over to Laris. Yes, that is to be expected. Okay. So good. So this is a rescue mission. And where they're located, this outer rim area, that's, it could be pirates. It could be sabotage. We might be walking into a dangerous situation. If they are equipped with such state-of-the-art technology for entertainment, would they not also have a state-of-the-art security system to ward off piracy? No, they should. But if they had somebody on the inside shutting it down, or honestly, if you get enough pirates to attack it at once... Uh, regardless, we're going to go there, check it out, and see what's going on. It's curious, though. It's very curious. Indeed, sir. Give me the name of that Twi'lek woman. <laughs> he says as he stands up. A bone rolls into the bridge, and Cassian reaches down and grabs the ball and tosses it into the air a few times and practices squeezing it. How long are we going to be in hyperspace? Two days. And depending on how this looks, I want you to come with me uh, inside. If it has the state-of-the-art security system, I'd rather have you slicing it than me shooting it. Agreed, sir. Gastian walks off, and for the next two days, he's just getting ready for this mission as he's reading up on everything he can about this luxury liner. He's trying to get the blueprints as well, so he can kind of memorize the map so he'll know where he's going. He's also looking up information on pirates groups that are in the area that the luxury liner is at. Sure. You can easily pull up the public-facing blueprints of the ship, the deck plans for the publicly accessible areas. So you can see that there's two levels of staterooms that are kind of that lower level, that lower tier that you were first looking at tickets for, as well as a third level that is the top of the line, richy rich staterooms. Then there are three other publicly accessible decks that have dining and entertainment and shopping and the spa and pools, all kinds of activities available on this ship. So that is a total of six out of 11 decks that you are able to access information on. If you wish to dig a little deeper, that is going to be a computer's check to see if you can dig it out of a database that you're not supposed to have access to. Laris, I need your help. And with Laris's four successes, she's able to pull up the official blueprints. These are the blueprints that were filed by Leonor Luxury Liners Incorporated when they were filing the patent on this starship design. So there's several decks of cargo and steerage, 
places for the rich and famous to store their goods as they go shopping around the galaxy, as well as there's space for them to park their private vehicles. There's a deck for crew quarters, as well as security, the engine room, things like that. Great. After two days, you get a message from Laris. Sir, we are about to drop from hyperspace. And Castian's moving towards the bridge, avoiding the skittering RA-7 unit. You reach the bridge just as Laris drops you out of hyperspace. Castian walks to the sensor terminal and takes a seat. This is a completely empty area of space. There is no planet, certainly. There's no asteroid fields. There's not even any known comets that cross through this area. So your sensors are completely empty. There's not even a comet that is known to cut through this sector of space. So your sensors are completely empty, save for the Pulsar Quest. Castian is uh, running scans over the ship, just basically getting a, a read of the ship. Is there atmosphere? Do they have any life support systems? Do they have escape pods that are floating in space around it? The sensors return a fair amount of information as you're scanning the ship. It does have power, but it is floating adrift. It's even canted a little bit off-center. Usually there would be some sort of stabilizing thruster that would kick in automatically in order to keep it directly on course. For whatever reason, those have not been activated. All of the escape pods have been launched. Are they uh, in space or are they, were they launched a while ago? They aren't appearing on your ship's sensors. You have short-range sensors on the Howling Gundark, so you can't see what's kind of beyond the immediate area. Castian uh, looks over his shoulder towards Laris. Okay, I, it looks like they launched all their escape pods. It's off tilt a little bit. Uh, there's power, so I, I, I believe there would be atmosphere going on through there. Though We'll go in there wearing rebreathers. Is there any signs that there was a battle here? Any like any pla- any things that were destroyed, hull damage or anything like that? No. We can postulate all we want, but the best I can come up with right now is we just go in, try to see if uh, you can get the landing bay open or at least to attach the ship so we can enter. Yes, sir. Cassie hesitates for a second and then kind of just shakes his head. <sighs> try sending a message to them. See if anything comes back. Of course, sir. And if they ask what we're doing out here, say we are a damaged ship looking for repairs. There is no response, sir. That's what I assumed, but couldn't help but check. Try to get a closer look, then. I'll get the bag ready. And Castian's moving back, and he's basically collecting a series of uh, blasters, vibro knives. He also has a blaster rifle for Laris. Okay. And you mentioned a rebreather as well? Yes, they're both just, just in case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, maybe they have a coolant leaking or thing like that. Um, ooh, but when they land, they're going to send the spider in first to make sure to scan the atmosphere. <laughs> just to make sure it's like not poisonous or anything like that. Sure. As you finish gathering your supplies, Laris contacts you again saying, Sir, I believe with some modifications, I will be able to dock with one of the vacant escape pod ports. Do that. I believe it will take an hour to perform the correct modifications. That's fine. I'm getting everything ready on my end. So about an hour later, Laris contacts you again. Sir, we are ready to dock. Fantastic. We'll send the arachnoid in first. The RA-7 unit. Yes, yes, yes. If you don't like the nickname, I'll work on something else. Docking procedures commencing. We will be docking on Deck 7, the promenade deck. Oh, joy. I've always wanted to go on a cruise. The actual docking is maybe a little rougher than usual, but considering Laris had to jury-rig a way to dock with a ship that was not 
actively helping her. Everything seems to go all right. We're connecting via the airlock, so by the time Larius meets me there, she sees that the RA unit with the spider droid body is already in the airlock closed, and he's just waiting for her to be there so he can open it up on the other end and let the droid get some reads to make sure the atmosphere is not filled with, like, poison or, I don't know, jelly. So Laris arrives and announces, Docking procedures are complete, sir. And Cassian hits the button. The protocol-slash-spider-droid hybrid skitters off into the ship. From where you're looking through kind of a small porthole, you can't see much of the, the ship from where you are. It does look like there is power within the ship, but it's kind of flickering a little bit. Right now, Castian's looking at the data pad in his hand. Uh, on the display, it has everything from the sensor that's attached to the spider-droid. So he's getting atmosphere readings, things like that. Atmospheric readings are completely normal. All right, well, come back, Skitter, he says before putting the data pad away. And he's opening up the hatch for himself. Okay. When you open the hatch, you are hit with an overwhelming stench. Castian backs away and holds his hand to his nose. That's awful. Oh. The RA7 unit is not equipped to scan for scents. Just come back here, Skitter, he says as he's waving for the droid to come back. And Skitter does. Okay, both of you, he says as he turns towards Bone and Skitter. You're in charge of the ship. Do not open up that hatch unless it's me or Laris. Understood? Affirmative. Excellent. Laris, come with me, he says as he holds out a blaster rifle for her to hold. Yes, sir. They put on the rebreathers. Even just, to, it's mostly right now to hide, to get rid of that smell. Mm -hmm. And Castian has a, a blaster on his side and a couple of vibro knives attached to a belt as he's walking into this smelly, smelly, uh, is it a hallway that we're going in or the promenade? Uh, so it's the promenade deck that you are entering. And you know from your previous research into the deck plans of the Pulsar Quest, you know that the promenade deck is one of two hubs of entertainment on the Pulsar Quest. There's deck seven, the promenade deck, and deck eight, the upper promenade deck. This is where you're going to find those stage shows and some of the cantinas and the shopping that the ship was advertising so heavily. Castian just he's walking out and he's looking around is there is there flickering power is there lights on this place as you cross the threshold onto the ship proper the lights flicker one more time and come up at full illumination it looks like you have entered the atrium this is a two-story grand entryway for passengers entering the pulsar quest now you're coming from a life support pod so you didn't enter exactly in the center you're kind of off center coming in from the the side but this is the first thing you see this grand entryway uh there is the floor is shiny alderanian marble but right now that shine is marred by sticky dried blood Across the way, there is a long bar of a rich mahogany type of wood that has had most of its bottles and glassware smashed. Bar stools are lined up against the bar, and they are riveted into place on the floor, so they are still standing, while some couches and chairs dot the rest of the space, some of which have been overturned. There's a small raised stage, and it holds a grand piano that has been smashed. Castian lets out a low whistle before turning towards Laris. All right, it might have been a pirate attack. Violent, though. Incredibly so. How much blood's on the ground, he says as he looks down at the marble. 
I mean, is it just for like enough for one person or is it just caked? It's it's caked. Multiple fights, multiple people must have been stabbed, uh, killed, honestly. If this is from, I, I wouldn't even say this is more than enough for 10, 12, 20 people, he says, as he's following this path filled with blood. And he sees footprints and things like that? Yes, you do see some footprints already made in the blood. Again, the blood is sticky, so it's definitely been out for hours, maybe days, but hasn't completely dried yet. So you're also leaving footprints, unless you are extremely careful. Uh, Cassian doesn't care at this point. Is there any bodies? You do not see any bodies. All right. This has turned into a little bit more macabre than I assumed it would be. Keep an eye out. We need to find this Bartholomew's estate room, which means we need to go to... Where's guest services? Listeners, I am giving Billy actual printouts of blueprints of and deck plans of a cruise ship so that he can... These are the publicly accessible areas of the ship. So you can see for yourself where you are going and how you can get there. So guest services, you know, are on deck eight, the upper promenade. You have entered on deck seven, the promenade deck. So there are both publicly accessible stairwells as well as elevators and lifts that you can use in order to travel between floors. Uh, What's closer, uh, stairwells or elevator? There actually is a stairwell in the atrium itself. It's kind of a winding circular stairwell that encircles the entire atrium, goes up in a spiral to get up to the atrium on deck eight. Yep, that's the one we're going through then. Okay. As you go up these stairs, they are plush carpeted stairs. And so the first couple of steps are your foot sinks in and it makes kind of a squishing sound from the blood that has seeped into the carpet. Mm -hmm. But four or five stairs up, the carpet becomes much cleaner. Just a couple of bloody footprints before even those were wiped away. And as you reach the top of the stairs, you hear a voice. Security! Security! Help! Castian spinning towards it, his hand dropping immediately to his blaster. The voice is definitely coming from deck eight. Yeah, Castian's going to mm-hmm. follow that if, you know, that's as good as he's going to get to, like, finding out what's going on here. As you run out onto the upper promenade deck, you see a sign for the Riosian Liquor Cantina. And it seems like the voice was coming from within. Yeah, he's running into that cantina. As you are running up, you activate some kind of proximity sensor and a hologram pops up of that Twi'lek woman that you saw on the advertisement earlier. And she says, Welcome to the Riosian Liquor Cantina. Please try a tasting flight of the finest liquors in the galaxy or try one of our specialty mixed drinks. Happy hour is from 2 to 4 p.m. every day. Castian's like, that's nice to know as he runs through her and he's looking for that voice. When you get into the cantina, you don't see anybody at first until you realize that a protocol droid had been kind of slumped over the bar and it pops up. Hello, I am glad to see you again. Can I get you your usual? Uh, I just heard, were you the one just screaming for help here? I am sorry, but my extensive database doesn't have a record of that drink. If you tell me what is in it, I will endeavor to recreate it to the best of my ability. Castian's opting to ignore it and just turns around looking for a voice. He's like, I heard someone calling for help in here. They called for security. Please stop what you are doing, or I will be forced to summon security. Castian pauses and turns back towards it. Security! Security! Help! And then the protocol droid face plants down on the bar. 
Ah, Castian mumbles. He's actually walking towards the back of the droid, and he's going to turn it off. Just before you reach it, it pops back up again and says, Hello, I'm glad to see you again. And then you flip its off switch, and it again slumps over. What's this cantina looking like? Is it as broken as everything else? Yes, there's definitely been a fair amount of damage to the cantina. You don't see much blood, you know, a couple of drops, maybe a small pool, not enough to be like there was a body here. Mm -hmm. So somebody has been injured here, maybe a couple of somebody's, but not nearly as extensive as the atrium. So if it's if it's not as damaged, um, is there top shelf liquor? No, there's not. They, they drank all the top shelf liquor. Is there any uh, drinks left in this place? Yes, there are. There's some some medium quality drinks uh, left. Yeah, Castian's pulling off like a bottle of Corelli and whiskey and twists the cap off. It just takes a swig, and then he's just looking around, just shaking, mumbling. Okay, this is weird. Last, you want a drink? He says as he offers it towards her. I do not require hydration at this time. Yeah, this is not for hydration. This is weird. And any theories on what's going on here? None yet, sir. He looks back towards the droid, and he's moving towards it. He's going to try to access its memories files. As soon as you begin to dive into the workings of the droid, you see immediately what was causing this apparent feedback loop is that its memory processors were severely damaged. You're not sure how long it has been running in this loop, but, but you can extrapolate from the damage that you're seeing and the, the limited behavior that you experienced that it was rerunning through those exact same sentences over and over and over again. And probably copying that all to memory. So mm-hmm. it's, it, I go through the memory file and it's just going to be, oh, hello, oh, I'm going to call security, help, help. And that's all I get. Yes. Oh, that's useless, he mumbles as he kind of just tosses the droid to the side. And then he's going to give one last glance around the cantina to see if there's anybody here, anything of interest. Uh, then he's going to go back outside to the promenade. Yes, there's nothing else of, of interest there. Cassian's going to make his way out of the promenade, and he's continuing his way to guest services. Okay. So as you leave the Ryozen Liquor Cantina... You're in the main shopping area of the Pulsar Quest. There's a number of high-end shops, including selling things like onyx forged in the lava pits of Mustafar, as well as real estate and other investment options. There are all the shops display windows are smashed and much of the goods are ransacked. However, there are still holographic sales assistants, which are motion activated. So as you walk through, these ghostly blue figures keep popping up in order to try to attract your attention with things like, Are you looking to invest? Invest in a timeshare on Alderaan. It's a lovely, idyllic place, guaranteed to increase your equity tenfold in five years. Alderaan, it's the place to be. Or as you are passing a shop that has snacks and and quick service food... Did you know here at Astronom's Company, we take the best bred banthas and run them through rigorous testing, feed them only the best feed, and test the product to ensure we are only serving you the best blue milk in the galaxy. All because that is all you deserve. 
Castian is doing his best just to ignore these, but these voices are echoing through an empty promenade. And usually there's no echo because there's so many people there to absorb it and things like that. But it just kind of bounces off the wall, making an incredibly creepy situation a hundred times more creepier. And Castian uh, pauses after like the third or fourth hologram and looks towards Laris. Is there a way to turn these things off? If there is, it would not be accessible from this deck. (sighs) Keep an eye for any of these display cases that might have some valuable goods. We're not exactly rolling in the lap of luxury right now, so if this is an abandoned ship, we might as well salvage some of it as as we look for this Bartholomew. If you would like, you can give me a perception test. Average difficulty. Okay, it is four successes, two threats. Yes, you're able to find several gemstones high-end jewelry, that sort of thing, that was overlooked in the madness of whoever was ransacking these places. So you have maybe even a couple thousand credits worth of loot here. Castian pockets those immediately. Just as you are picking up this gorgeous garnet necklace, the, the weight of the garnet in your hand tells you all you need to know about how much this thing must be worth. A pair of boots come into view. Castian looks up. And you see uh, an overweight human man. He is smoking some kind of foul-smelling cigar. Must have been lost in just the general foul stench of this place while you didn't smell it earlier. He is wearing extremely fine clothing. You are not up to date on trends by any means because... You've been on the run for so long, but you can tell that the quality of the fabric is extremely high. Uh, You recognize maybe there is some Corellian silk in there, as well as other high-end fabrics. For his size, it is a very well-tailored outfit. This is not a shirt that is straining to contain him. It is cut precisely to his measurements. Okay, so this is a nobleman, not a pirate. Like I I read fop when I see this guy. And he's... uh, Looking down at you over his prodigious gut, he says, Ah, we found more revelers. I am curious about your return policy. Come on, join me. The game's about to start. Castian looks towards Laris and then stands up and pockets the goods. Absolutely. What What's going on here? You'll find out. Come join the game. Where are we going? To the casino, of course. Where else would you play a game? Is he always this dim? He says to Laris. Dim. Yes. Castian hesitates before considering this is the only human being he's met. And this guy's a large man, uh, kind of overweight. So he, he doesn't feel like he's in danger. And so Castian nods his head. Absolutely. Um, perhaps you can tell me what's what's gone on here. Where has where all the gamblers gone? The gamblers are in the casino. Uh, well, 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 where are all the people out here, he says, as he's following this man. And the, the man walks you towards the casino, which, of course, also has a hologram still active. And the Twi'lek woman pops up again. Welcome to the Little Canto Bite Casino. Roll the dice at the Binspo table or try your luck at Sabak. Our automated dealer droids are tuned daily to ensure you always have the highest quality experience. Please note, cheating of any kind is not tolerated in the casino. Employees reserve the right to scan all patrons at any time. 
And in the casino, there is some disarray. There are chips and dice scattered around the floor, but the tables are still upright, as are the chairs. And you see about in the middle of the casino floor, a group of chairs have been dragged into a circle underneath some sort of scanning unit. Six chairs have been drawn into a circle, and four of them are filled with people. Three of those people are not moving. The last is a human woman who is dressed in what looks like what must be the uniform of the ship because it's kind of, it looks like a a tuxedo, basically, where she has a short cropped jacket with long tails and then a white shirt and a bow tie as well as black pants. Uh, It's all looking a little disheveled and, and worse for wear. But otherwise, she seems uninjured other than the fact that she is sitting in this chair. And as you get closer, you can see that she is tied to the chair. Castian pauses before looking towards his friend. What's going on here? Welcome to Gamorian Roulette. Castian looks towards Laris, then looks back towards him. I don't know that game. It's real easy to learn. Why don't you take a seat? And he just breaks out in the most lascivious grin that you have ever seen. It's like a gluttonous man who has been set in front of a tray of, of the finest delicacies in the galaxy. Castian reaches for his blaster and pulls it out. All right, give me a vigilance roll. Three successes, two advantages. Laris rolled blanks. <laughs> so Laris will be going last, needless to say. However, Castian, you get the drop on the guy. Castian takes aim towards him and says, Whatever this is, it stops now. Laris, free the woman. Laris will start to go over to the woman. However, the man is going to get to go next. And he shouts, Time for round number five! And as he shouts that, you see that the scanner up in the ceiling has a series of lights that are beginning to illuminate. One, two, three... There's five total lights, so three light up before Laris is able to get to the woman. Laris has not noticed the the lights. Castian's running towards him and says, look out, look out, look out, and he's going to try to tackle them to get them out of the light. He has an idea what Gamorian roulette might be. Give me an athletics roll. It's going to be average difficulty. One success, two advantages, and one dark side point. I'm not going to use the dark side point. So you are able to definitely not only push Laris, but push the woman out of the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is not clean, but you knock over the chair that the woman is in, and the three of you kind of tumble a couple of feet away just before the scanner's fifth light illuminates. And as the final light illuminates, what should be a scanner beam comes down right where that chair was. But considering it leaves a singed circle in the carpet, obviously the scanner has been hacked to not just scan, but to actually deal damage. Castian slams onto the ground and then tries to get to his feet. The gambler is frowning and obviously very unhappy. We don't look kindly on cheaters here at the little Canto Bite Casino. Security! And two security droids are coming out from the the wall. Castian mumbles, oh, great. And he turns, seeing the droids have probably more firepower, Castian turns and starts shooting at them with his blaster. Okay. Three successes, but three threats. That's eight points of damage, I believe. You are able to take out the droid. 
As you are shooting at the first droid, you manage to hit its power supply, causing a small explosion, which actually is going to knock you backwards and you fall prone on the floor. Yeah, I hit one of those roulette tables and I kind of just double over it and, and fall on the ground. Laris is going to use her blaster rifle to try to hit the other one. She is not able to hit the droid, but she fired enough blasts that it's going to daze it a little bit, and the droid is going to be at a disadvantage when it rolls. Okay. So it has going to have a setback die as it makes its attack. The droid actually is not trying to shoot you. It is simply striding forward, and it is reaching out its arms to grab you. You're able to get out of the way, but you have to step into an unadvantageous position, so you're now going to have a setback die in your next roll. It is now your turn. Casting crawls back on his elbows, and he's going to take aim towards the uh, creature with a maneuver, and then he's going to fire when he can. Great. So aiming gives you one boost die. Three successes. Excellent. That is enough, especially with being at such close range. You are able to take out the droid. Castian uh, stumbles to his feet before turning to find where that noble went. He disappeared. He spins, looking around for the man before kind of muttering a curse and moving towards the woman that was tied up. Sir, this woman appears to be unharmed. Lara says as she's helping the woman stand back up. Castian's moving towards her and he says, what the hell's going on here? I can show you. You just need to follow me. She says as she's beginning to dash out of the casino. Castian hesitates for a second, squints towards Laris, and then just follows. Sure. Sure. He's going to follow her. The woman runs at a dead sprint out of the casino, which you can't entirely blame her for. You don't know how long she has been held here tortured. And she takes a left as she runs out of the casino. That's back towards the way that you came. Castian's going to try to catch up to her. All right, athletics. Two failures and an advantage. The advantage means she's going to stay within your sight, but with two failures versus her success and an advantage, she's going to stay several steps ahead of you as she is, as I said, dead sprint running ahead. So she's activating those shop holograms again. You're once again being bombarded with offers for the Alderaan timeshares as she sprints through the shops towards the atrium and more specifically towards the railing that is protecting those stairs and the the view down into the lower level of the atrium okay and she runs at a dead sprint makes no move to go left or right around it and instead when she reaches the rails she just grabs them and hops over with my two failures, Castian is not even predicting that someone would do this. Like, he's like, oh, she's going to turn in. No, no, no. So he doesn't even have time to use the force to grab her because he's just more stunned. And he comes to a skidding halt at the railing and looks down. And you see her lying with a broken neck in the center of the atrium. What the? What? Castian looks behind him for Laris. She's just catching up to you. She just jumped off the ledge. I did observe that, sir. What the hell's going on here? Everybody's gone mad.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot Star Wars Force and Destiny. Please follow Solo Shot Podcast and Fandible on Twitter, and please share this episode on social media. You can also leave a review for Fandible on iTunes or your podchaser of choice to help others find us and enjoy games like this one. You can also find us on Patreon if you want to make a donation to help keep our equipment up and running. But most importantly, always remember, may the Force be with you.